0: She comes up to me and in order to see me she'll press her nose against my face and she'll rub it across the contours of my face just so that she kind of gets a look and she'll get here to to the hair and she'll sniff it on my beard and she'll run that nose across. And Once she's finally finished then it's kind of time to you know love or whatever.
1: Hello dog people! You are back with Rescued by a Dog, the podcast about dogs who have actually saved their owners' lives. This week I'm honored to share the moving story of Marigold, a blind dog who has suffered more than any dog ever should. When Sean met her, he was going through the most difficult time in his life, and he knew they were supposed to be together. Today's episode is sponsored by one of my favorite companies, Major Darling, which gives us ethically made gear and accessories that are worthy of our dog children. To check out their beautiful martingales, leashes, and other products, go to majordarling.com. Now let's hear about the sweetest blind dog in the South. Hi, Sean. Hey. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for talking to me today.
0: It's, It's my pleasure.
1: Awesome. Okay, so tell me... Your dog's name and age, and what does she look like?
0: Uh, she's, she her name is Marigold. She is, they think, around two, and she is a black and tan coon hound, So she's got uh, red socks and a red snout and a red little spot around her booty. And she's all midnight black. She weighs, I think, 58 pounds. But we might have increased that <laughs> through extra feeding.
1: The girl. Um, what was going on in your life before you found her?
0: Uh, well, my wife and I were. I mean, we stay on the road. We're very busy uh, doing what I do, and I, I'm a rider, so I we're on the road seventy five percent of the year thereabouts. Uh, These last few years have been the worst years of my life ever. I mean, I've never had a worse year, even uh, back when my dad killed himself, uh, growing up, all the hell I went through. These last two years were significantly worse. I lost about six friends. Well, I guess it's now the count would be up to seven within a two year span from cancer. Then we lost my mother-in-law, who we we were her primary caregivers. Uh, and it was a long drawn out way to die and it was it was I mean it 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 triggered a lot in me it was really hard then my one of my best friends was diagnosed with stomach cancer and she was dying of stomach cancer at the same time I the doctors found something in me that they didn't like that they thought could be stomach cancer so I went through nightmare. And and my health just was kind of not doing so well for that year. And I'm sure a lot of it was the stress of knowing uh, what it was. So I thought, I truly thought uh, as I watched my, one of my best friends, she she's dead now. She died last year from the stomach cancer. As I watched her decrease and die from the stomach cancer, I felt like I was dying too. I thought that something was taking me over. I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat right. Things were my health was just wonky. My my uh, mental health just was as low, maybe as low as it's ever been. Uh, and then along comes this dog. Uh, and I had turned the corner already. I had, things were starting to get better for me. I was in Mobile <clears throat> when a friend of mine who runs a hound rescue told me about her dog. I did a show. I did a show. I was doing a show in Mobile. And after we the meet and greet, she brought... Her blind blue tick hound named Oscar. and I loved this dog. And I told her, I said, I, I loved his spirit. I love everything about him. She said, well, if you like blind dogs, I, I know of a person who uh, just rescued a blind coonhound. So she told me uh, the dog had been found behind a tire shop chained to the tire to iron stake embedded in the ground uh, in Mississippi. And her friend had rescued this dog because this dog had been found wandering the the highways uh, shortly after that. So anyway, we drove all the way over to West Alabama and met this dog between <laughs> gigs because I was on the way to do something else uh, in our little you know travel van that we use. Well, we met at this little country store uh, in Jefferson, Alabama, in Marengo County. It's in the middle of nowhere. And they serve barbecue and hoop cheese and all the old stuff. And we got to this parking lot and I saw one of the ladies who had found her uh, walking with her. And I could see Marigold was walking aimlessly. Kind of that's how she walks. She just has no real, it's very different than any other dog walks. Uh, When I, you know, like I said, I've had a lot of dogs in my life. And when a dog walks, it's very purposeful. It's very, you know, they're walking a straight line, uh, but a little bit sideways. Marigold was walking haphazard. She'd walk left, she'd walk right, she'd walk left. She'd bump into the wall, she'd bump into the to somebody's tire on their car. It was a very, you know, sad thing to watch. You know, it had been weeks, probably, since she had been blind. So this was new and frightening to her. Uh, and I got to her, and she immediately kind of pressed her head in between my knees and kind of stopped moving in these concentric circles because it was like, okay, I can stop. I can rest. Somebody's kind of got me. Uh, so she had whittled down to like 30 some pounds. She was teeny tiny skeleton. You could see everything on her body, like a little anatomy chart. Uh, and we know that she has been abused uh, because the vet, when, when looking at her face, said that it was a, a blunt trauma to the face. So whoever got her, likely, this is what I think, uh, you know, black and tan coonhound is an expensive dog and they don't just happen by accident. So I believe she was bred. I believe she was sold to somebody who was gonna use her for hunting at least in these parts, you know, that's what they're used for. And I believe that she was timid, perhaps even gun shy. So that made her worthless to to the hunter. Uh, And so I bet he didn't know what to do with her. And so took out his frustrations on her somehow. So it was blunt trauma to the face. It caused uh, trauma inside bleeding and scarring to the optic nerve. And then we went inside to find out more about her and eat barbecue. And they let the dog inside too, because I know the people who, who own this store. And so they're slinging food and the whole place smells like barbecue and Marigold loses her mind. She <laughs> smells food. It is crazy. And you can tell, I could tell immediately that not only, uh, you know, is she adjusting to her blindness, but this is a dog who's been starving, who's who had she hadn't eaten uh, she had been fed and taken care of by this lady who'd rescued her for, for that brief time. But you don't ever get rid of hunger. Uh, once you've known it, it screws your mind up and you you eat to live. And So she was nuts. So I got a plate of barbecue and uh, I, gave, I ate the bread. She ate the barbecue. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, she ate it so fast. She had no... Uh, control over her mouth so she was biting anything that moved including my hand and fingers. They, you know, they looked at us they're like, so what do you want to do? I said, she's coming with me. And they said, well, I mean, we can, you know, ha- have her at our house and you can come back and get her when it's more convenient. I said, "It. Uh, this doesn't matter. I don't care what's convenient. I just want her, you know, coming with me. I don't, I don't think she needs to sleep alone anymore I think she needs to sleep with me so she immediately went to all of our shows that we do around the southeast I mean within the first week of owning her she had been thrust into a spotlight because I'd written about her so people wanted to meet her who came to these shows and uh, they would stand in line to meet her and she was manhandled by a lot of people. And she did fabulously, posed for photographs, did all this stuff. It was amazing. I mean, even therapy dogs kind of tap out after about an hour. She was in there, hanging in there for like two hours.
1: What, what was it in you that made you want to adopt a blind dog?
0: Uh, well, you know, I had a pretty traumatic childhood myself. So I've grown up. with a a real bad childhood. And my dad committed suicide when I was uh, 11. Uh, We grew up with that a lot. And I dropped out of school when I was in seventh grade. So I, I didn't go back to school until I was a grown man. I've had a lot, a lot of trauma in my life. So I identify with any creature who goes through trauma. I find myself really thinking too long and too hard about what they're experiencing, because that is a symptom of post-trauma. So I saw her when I first saw her and laid eyes on that, that fresh scar where her eye had been removed and thought about this dog who had no body, you know, this was, there was no, there was no, uh, there was not, never an option in my mind. This was, I'm here. She's here. We're both occupying the same space of universe. Uh, this is a, this is important that I don't we don't occupy different spaces in the universe. We got to be together. This is just the way that it's supposed to be. Um, so I got her into the back seat of the car, and my wife drove, and I sat with her and held her, put her against me uh, because I knew a car ride would probably be a little bit you know this disquieting. And at first she was a little bit, you know, scared. She didn't know what to do with me. And so she was very stiff, very awkward. Uh, And then after about a couple minutes, her body relaxed and she was totally on my lap and pressed up against me and curled into a tight little ball. It's amazing though, she had had mapped out our house and only, I would say, not even an hour. Then she went out to our backyard and she took about 20 minutes mapping out her backyard. Now, backyard's a little tricky because it's got some uh, drop-offs, uh, like retaining walls that drop off. She figured out where every retaining wall was, so she knew not, you know, she wouldn't walk right over it. It was amazing to watch her. Whenever she goes into a new room, she goes around the perimeter of it first for a for several weeks she didn't play with any toys or anything like that you know you really got to feel safe and secure to play to let go let your guard down and play so we had never seen her play we, she just kind of attached herself to us um, she she would kind of lash out at any uh, dog who our other dogs who came near her because she couldn't see them and she didn't she's she's got scars all over her body so she's obviously been used to fighting Uh, for food uh, against other animals probably animals who were bigger and stronger than she was so she's she can be scrappy Uh, but so so she was in this emergency survive mode and finally a few weeks into it uh, we had bought several toys for her and they were out in the yard and I woke up real early uh, to let her outside to go to the bathroom and took her outside and in the dark I could see she had found a toy and she was playing with it. And I thought, no, this is just wonderful. She had this ball and she had made her own little game with this ball and was throwing it around and she would sniff and find it and find it. When she find it, she gets, Oh, she gets so excited. She just take this ball and throw it up again and then look around and sniff around and find it. And Oh, I found this ball. She, she got so excited over this little ball. Uh, And it was such a treat to watch. She's the most resilient creature I've ever met. I can't believe that she has gone through what she's gone through and is, is living the way she's living. And she, you know, it hasn't even been, hasn't even been six months since she's been through all all that hell. I mean, I've, I'm a 40 year old man and I'm still suffering, uh, the lingering effects that I went through when I was 11, uh, I, I just, I mean, I'm, I'll always probably deal with it, but dogs have this heroic sense of, of resiliency. She, she's gone through what she went through, but that's gone now. And life is moving in a different direction and she's got people who care about her. And that is her present moment. That this is her now, and this is what she lives in. And yes, sometimes she gets triggered and yes, Sometimes uh, a voice will come out of, you know, a male voice. She'll hear a male, particularly male voice she doesn't recognize, and I'll I'll see her bark and get scared. But by and large, she is living, and I just find that to be uh, such a lesson for me. But when I met her, you know, I realized I saw myself. You know, and what I'd gone through is nothing compared to what she's gone through. She's gone through so she's gone through so much. and she someone wanted her, someone thought she was trash. Someone effectively tried to kill her through just blunt force. and and here she is, doing her thing, missing her eye, both eyes, living, still playing. and uh, she's living extremely affected but she's still living and she didn't quit, golly. I was out of town uh, two days ago and she was at the hotel with me. I was traveling alone, just me and her. And uh, she was sleeping on the floor beside the bed, my bed and her little bed. And uh, I think it was early in the morning, she, I could feel that little cold nose coming around and she and then i felt her paws on the bed and that meant she wanted to get up in the bed so i gripped her elbows and she kind of shimmied up onto the bed and she got right just as tightly against me as she possibly could uh against my back and so then i we you know slept a few more hours together i've never had a bond with a dog like i have with her because i the, the bond is so deep because I have to do everything for her. I'm her seeing eye human. We don't go anywhere that I'm not constantly watching out for her, uh, telling her step, step here, step here if she's on the leash, so she knows to step so she doesn't fall. And and, and it's it's kind of it can be exhausting if you're if you're not ready for it. Uh, I'm constantly uh, letting her know that someone's about to pet you, you know, because when someone just reaches their hand up and touches you and you don't see it coming, it's shocking. Uh, I've even blindfolded myself to try to know what it feels like uh, walking around, so that I know what she's going through. And it's—I uh, blindfolded myself for about 24 hours, and it was—it's—it's uh, it's frightening to not to have your senses that you that you've grown up with and see nothing. It's—it's uh, it's rough. I mean, when we go downstairs, you know, it's—it's an, it's an act of Congress. This is. Helped engineer a deep relationship with this animal with, that I've never had before with a dog, never. And I've had in my life, I've had I think twelve dogs. When when you give her a treat, uh, you and my other dogs, I can just throw it and they'll catch it. When I give her a treat, she walks toward me and she opens her mouth and shows it in every direction, like here, here I am. My mouth is open. You know, put the treat in.
1: One thing that I find really beautiful about this story is that you needed a lot of healing at that time too. And the way that you found that is to take on another animal that you had to give to rather than receive from. I'm just amazed that you were able to fill this huge need in you by giving. And what is, what do you feel that you're getting from her? Uh,
0: I think a lot of stress and worry and all these things that kill us early come from an idleness of the mind the mind just gets idle and it it turns inward on itself and it starts focusing on us on me you know i'm going through this terrible time and i'm thinking about this terrible time and that's all i'm thinking about i'm thinking about how you know my friends are dying or whatever it is that i'm I, and this becomes this minor obsession that you can't stop thinking about. And uh, you're not turning any of your uh, attention and worries outward. When I got her, you know, I had to turn everything outward because she required so dang dang much. Uh, I turned my attention to another who who was uh, going through something and it took the attention off me and helped me, gain a real perspective on what it was I was really going through and how it, yes, it was bad, but was I making it worse? Probably. Uh, or no, most definitely. And the great part is, is when when you do anything good for anybody else or another creature, period, you're, you're doing it in a selfish way. You're doing it because it makes you feel good. It makes you feel good to be good, to give. It It's not a purely benevolent act, she needs love a lot more than most dogs. So there are times when she just kind of runs headfirst into you and just needs this this assurance and all that. And that's, I have no kids. So that's another big one. Uh, and she has become, you know, a child. I'm not, we're not, not talking about it. She, she was beaten she's blind but okay I've said it it's true we all know this uh, now now what we're we gonna we're we gonna, we gonna move on and and the answer is yes she did not want to just sit there and think about she wants she wants breakfast you know she wants to go outside and mess around and watching what she watching what a dog can go through and seeing that that uh, they can be taken down to the to, to nothing I mean to, to almost death and still come back like they have I mean mm-hmm. it just feels like maybe there's hope <laughs> uh, in just a very basic sense like maybe I maybe this isn't the end for me personally I did a show at the library and it was a it was a big it was a big show there was a lot of people there and uh, Marigold was there. So we get someone who walks her around Marigold. And, uh, Marigold, it's funny, she'll go through the crowd and she socializes and greets everybody. And then at some point in the night, she will hear my voice and she'll kind of navigate. And she's real strong. So she'll pull this person through the crowd until she kind of gets to my to my voice. Uh, but I guess on that particular night, it was really cool because there were a lot of people And I saw this, and everybody was bringing her treats because they read her the story. So everybody was bringing her something. Everybody had something for Marigold. And I looked around, and Marigold was a rock god. I mean, Marigold was getting all this stuff. People were just – they were standing in line to meet her. They were just – and I was on the other side of the library. And I saw her just lapping it up and enjoying it and posing for photographs and everything. And I just – felt so gratified and, and whoever, my goal in getting her when I first got her was, and this is selfish actually, and this is probably not the greatest uh, motivator <laughs> for animal rescue, but I wanted whoever hurt her to find her face on Facebook and see how many people love her and care about her and that she's not the garbage he thought she was that this is not you were wrong you were so so wrong i don't hold any nasty feelings i don't i mean there's a lot of people say well don't you just wish he'd burn in hell and don't you wish that well uh, i don't love what he did but i don't i don't wish ill on anybody and i don't wish ill on him but i want him someday to come across that face and say wow, I really, I screwed up. I was wrong. She comes up to me and in order to see me, she'll press her nose against my face and she'll rub it across the contours of my face just so that she kind of gets a look and she'll get here to, to the hair and she'll sniff it my, on my beard and she'll run that nose across. And once she's finally finished, then it's kind of time to, you know, love or whatever. But that all that is this latent communication that we're having. So we communicate so much. I'm not sure that there's anything that I could tell her that she doesn't already know. We uh I took her to Nashville uh because I had a thing to do there and she she rode with me. We went, actually, I had more to do than just Nashville. I I had to go through, I went to like 11 different states doing stuff. And she went with me on this epic road trip, me and this dog. And I just, that road trip was so incredible for me because I was living it through her. I was watching her enjoy this experience i don't even know how to put it you know she was everything was new it was the first time everything was the first time for her here's this 2 year old creature who has been through so much and now she's staying in a hotel and she's eating mexican food and she's you know listening to the radio i mean i watched her uh i would be driving i think i was driving through virginia and i remember watching her respond to i had jazz playing on the Stereo and I didn't I wasn't planning on listening to jazz, but it, it had come up somehow on my phone. And I noticed her peak when it started to play. She just she got real interested and I realized that it's the upright bass. The upright bass is on a very low frequency, and you can kind of feel it. And this was this was something she could really feel because she's blind and and that sense is so in tune. And so she's listening to. And she is feeling every note, and so then I'd change it to another style of music, and you know there was really no interest there. But I go back to jazz, and I, that upright bass would be playing, and she'd peak again. I play music, uh, and she comes around whenever I play. You know, she ha- I have I play piano, I play guitar, I play accordion. She doesn't like the accordion. Uh, I don't blame her. <laughs> <laughs> I think what I uh, love about dogs—and this sounds so ridiculous when you say it the way I'm going to say it—but is uh, I learn a lot about humans watching dogs. I, I feel like uh, they're—they have a very human-like nature, except they don't uh, use society and civilization and lies that we all tell each other uh, to hide it, hide their true nature. Their true nature is just their nature and that's what comes out.